earlier, um, Paul describing us as being dead, all dead in sin and trespasses. We've all missed the mark. We've uh, willfully done things against God's law. And this applies to the whole world. Uh, the world is dead. There is no spiritual life. Without um, uh, God intervening, there would be no, no spiritual life there, no true uh, relationship with him. So when I was thinking about this, it reminded me of uh, some of the um, old zombie films where you see uh, these hordes of dead people and they're all slowly walking together and um, there's a, a horde of them. They all have this insatiable desire for something, uh, but they're dead, they're rotted, they're corrupted, they're controlled by this uh, desire, um, but there's nothing good in them. They're all walking together, but they all uh, are completely focused on their own individual um, need. Um, and there's no real purpose to what they're doing. They are just um, reanimated. And ultimately, they're doomed. There's no hope for them. And this is really what Paul is describing. There's the whole of humanity, and in our, in our natural state, there's no hope. It says... Uh, in verse 2, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. So I just wanted to think about this ruler of the kingdom of the air. So um, everybody, humanity is under, under his influence um, and he's a ruler. In other versions he describes, him, describes him as the prince of the power of the air. But So we have this, this ruler or prince there is some authority that he has, but he's not a king. Um, he has some power. There is, a, there is a kingdom, but it isn't sovereign power, and it isn't the whole of creation. So this, uh, this ruler of the kingdom of the air is inferior to our God. We can see that from, from the very beginning, that our God is sovereign over all things, and he's the king. But here we have this ruler... He's limited to the air. Uh, this, this could either be the, the literal air atmosphere that we have or uh, a spiritual, spiritual realm that he has power in. But, um, but what, what can he do? He can only do what God allows. Uh, we can see that uh, sin is restrained all the time in the lives of, of sinners everywhere. And by God's grace, humanity isn't as bad as it could be. Um, but uh, we also see that the restraints being loosed um, with addiction, uh, hatred for each other, self-obsession, all these things. Uh, by God's grace, sin is restrained in the world. And um, if it wasn't, I think civilization would have been undone a long time ago. Um, it's by God's grace that, uh, that the world continues, um, that people still do good to each other and seek to live uh, in peace to some extent in some places. But um, the power that this ruler has in the life of the Christian, um, just wanted to think about that. And again, it's only what God allows. Um, the difference being that we don't belong to him like uh, humanity is described in these verses, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is at work in those who are disobedient. So... Those who, um, who don't know Christ, these people described as being disobedient, um, are 
under his influence, but um, those of us who have come to know Christ, who have been forgiven, uh, we are no longer under the, uh, the, that same influence. But there is still satanic temptation. Uh, we know this, for example, Paul uh, said he had a thorn in the flesh, and he said, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. So we know, we know where it comes from. We know that there is, uh, there is a power behind it, um, but it's, it's limited. It's only what God allows to happen. Um, and he says that it was to stop him from being conceited, so there was um, some good in it for him. And uh, we, can, we can see similar thing in the, the way that Job was afflicted, um, uh, in the way that uh, we, we know that uh, God and Satan spoke and discussed Job, and Job was tempted, and he was afflicted, um, but he didn't curse God. And he was um, shown to be a, a righteous man because of that. Uh, but, so nothing is out of God's control. If it was, then how, how would anyone be saved? If Satan had full authority and full power over people in this world, then he would never let any of them go. Um, but we know that God is truly sovereign over all things. So for the believer, this is, this is great comfort. God wouldn't allow anything to attack us without having control on it. Um, and um, spiritual attack isn't, isn't a small thing. It's, it's very, very significant. It has signif- significant effect on our life. Um, but we know that all things are to work for our good. Um, and it says here in verse 7 that um, we've been saved by grace so that in the coming ages we might know the immeasurable riches of his grace. That's an amazing thought that um, the God who saves us has um, uh, real, real blessing uh, in, ahead of us in our, in our future. So there is this, this ruler of um, the kingdom of the air, and he has sway and he has authority over these people. But he's not limitless authority, he's not limitless power. And in verse 3, says we're carrying out the desires of our body and this is what we did before knowing Christ all we can do without him is carry out the desires of our body Um, we can still feel this uh, affecting us if if we uh, are following Jesus now we can still feel the effects of our our old man um, the flesh the temptations and um, this is something that we we battle with daily and will battle with uh, until we go to be with Jesus in glory. This is, this is a, an everyday thing that we fight. In verse 3, it says we're disobedient. Or the, so the end of verse 2 says, those who are disobedient. And then verse 3, it says uh, at the end of verse 3, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. So I just want to think about these two descriptions of humanity, disobedient and deserving of wrath. Very, very damning statement. Except for Christ, we're all deserving of wrath. We all live um, lives dedicated to disobedience uh, outside of Christ. We're all deserving of wrath. There's a couple of um, passages I want to, to read which just describe the, the human state without God. Um, Galatians 5, 19-21 says the acts of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry 
witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then in Romans 1.28, it says, Furthermore, just as you did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind, so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they knew God's righteous decrees, decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, but approve of those who practice them. These are the people that Paul is describing here. And it says, like the rest of mankind, at the end of verse 3, like, like the rest of mankind, like the rest, we were objects of wrath. So the world is united in this common plight. Regardless of nationality, religion, philosophy, um, the world loves sin. And they're united in that. But what about good people who we see around us? Um, People who uh, hate murder. People who uh, do good things for charity. Um, People who uh, live moral lives according to human standards. And these are, these are good things. There's nothing, uh, nothing wrong with uh, doing these things, even for, for unbelievers. They are good things to do. But uh, it says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, whatever you do, eat or drink. So, so whatever you do... Um, or, sorry, let's start again. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And then Romans 14.23 whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So anything done um, which isn't done for the glory of God, anything which is not done in faith, um, the Bible says that this is, this is sin. We've been created for a, a purpose, to love and to worship and to joyfully serve God. This is what we've been created for. And the world does not know any of that. People have good intentions and they do good actions. Uh, a lot of the time it's for the wrong reasons. Uh, and so it, it's, it's sin. Um, sinful people can do morally good actions for each other and bring about um, good, social good, social benefits. But if the glory isn't given to God, if it's given to men and women, then it's, it's tainted with sin. And this is, this is what Paul is saying. Um, we don't need to go around pointing out all the, uh, the charitable works we see and saying that they're sinful. Because um, God is clear that we... As, as Christians, we judge the church and, and God judges the world. It's not that we need to go and point out that all these things people are doing are wrong. But we need to point people to Christ. Psalm 7 says, God is a righteous judge, a God who displays his wrath every day. If he does not relent, he will sharpen his sword, he will bend his, and string his bow. He has prepared his deadly weapons, he makes ready his flaming arrows. So, to just summarize on this point, people are more sinful than, than we realize. Um, God hates sin, God is angry at sin, and he will judge sinners in his anger. God didn't make us this way 
um, we are sinners because we've fallen in, in Adam. And if we are Christians, we should often be thinking of the hope that we have, um, the home being prepared for us in heaven, to be with God in eternity. And it's a, it's a wonderful thought, but we should also remember that there's a place being prepared for sinners to spend eternity um, away from God, an eternity of pain, of suffering, of loneliness. Um, and this is how much God hates sin. This is a serious, serious thing God hates sin. Nobody will be swept aside and forgotten about at the end of time. God doesn't forget about people. If God forgot about people, it would suggest that he, he wasn't that interested. Things that we ignore um, suggest that we things we don't care about. But um, this is um, something that God, God hates. And this is humanity, this great crowd of people walking gladly but blindly into judgment. It's a very, very sad um, thing to, to think of, a very sad thing which is described. During Jesus' ministry, when he was uh, preaching in the towns and the villages, he said, it says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. That's in Matthew 9. And this is, this is the same God, the same God who, who hates sin, who judges sin, is the same God who has compassion on these people, these harassed, helpless people, people without a shepherd, people who are dead, spiritually dead. This is the same God. The God that judges is the God that saves. So we move on into verse 4. God is rich in mercy. It says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. So God is rich in mercy. There's enough mercy for the worst of sinners because of this great love which he's had for us, a great love in showing us that uh, through the death of his son, through the death of Jesus on the cross, that we can have a restored relationship with him. Um, in the, the third hymn that we'll sing at the end, and can it be? It says, amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? And it is amazing. Um, I just wanted to read a passage from Romans 5. Romans 5, verse 6, which says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die but God demonstrates his love for us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us since we have now been justified by his blood how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him for if when we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son how much more having been reconciled shall we now be saved through his life not only is this so but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through, through, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So God is rich in mercy, that he has made a way for us to have this relationship with him, to raise us to spiritual life. While we were still dead, while we were in the state that we just looked at in those verses, that was us. God chose to have mercy on us. And can you, can you imagine choosing to love something which is dead? But God in heaven, who is holy, he's perfect, he chose to love a people who were dead in their sin, in disobedience and deserving of wrath. And 
it doesn't make sense the whole time we think about the worth of the one who is receiving the mercy. If we think about these, uh, the way it's described, these people, people the way like we were, we were sinners, we were disobedient, and God chose to love us. And it wasn't because we were nice people. It was because God wanted to show his mercy to us. Um, he wanted to extend his mercy to us, but he also wanted to show it to the whole of humanity. Uh, it says um, in verse, uh, verse 7, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. This is what God wants to show us. He wants to show us his grace. If we look at the worthlessness of the one receiving mercy, we can only say it's not deserved. If, we, if, we look at, at, if I look at myself, before I was a Christian, I was a sinner, and I didn't deserve Christ. But it's by his mercy that he saved me. And it's to, it's to show his mercy, to, uh, to show his mercy to the world that he saved me. He's made us alive together in Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And why, why such mercy? Why would this lavish, undeserved mercy have been shown to a people deserving of wrath? So that in the coming ages he might show incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So this is in the ages to come, not right now. We get a taste of God's grace now. Um, but, uh, but then, in eternity, we'll begin to see the immeasurable riches of his grace. And um, they're immeasurable, they're infinite, they can't be measured, they can't be truly comprehended. And I think it's probably like trying to look at the universe. You can look at one part of the universe, a very small part, and then you can look at another very small part. And you could spend a thousand lifetimes looking at very small parts of the universe, but you will never be able to see the whole thing because it's too, it's immeasurable. And this is the riches of God's grace. They are immeasurable. And this is what we will spend eternity looking into. And then he goes on to say, by grace we've been saved. Through faith. We're saved through faith in Jesus. It's not of our own doing. Um, the faith has been given to us so that we, can, so that we can't boast in our own effort. If we had um, found our own way of salvation, then we could say, yes, I've, I've done this. I've, I've gained salvation because of what I've done. But it's only through faith given to us. It's a gift. Having looked at uh, the first three verses, I hope that it's, it's easy for us to see that we couldn't have done anything to bring about our own salvation. We were dead. Dead people can't bring themselves back from the dead. We didn't deserve life. We didn't earn life. It was a gift of God's grace. God gave us faith to believe because... He chose to love us despite our sinfulness, despite our disobedience. He chose to love us, and it was a gift. It wasn't of works. Uh, what, could we, what could we possibly have done to add to our salvation? I think one of the lies that Satan tries to, to tempt us with is to believe um, that we need to work to earn salvation or, more subtly, that we have to work to keep our salvation. But uh, both of these are lies that steal the glory from God. If we had to uh, work to, uh, to add to something to it or to keep um, our salvation, we would just be diminishing his mercy, diminishing his love, 
and diminishing our own sinfulness. But it's all of grace, for by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourself, it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And then towards the end, verse 9, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we're created for good works. Uh, Sometimes people think about doing good deeds for the day, and um, it's almost as if they are uh, maintaining their faith in some way, maintaining their their relationship with God, doing their good deeds for the day. Uh, almost as if they're just maintaining a car. You put your oil and your petrol in it and you run the engine and the car will just be okay. Um, and people think if I do a few good things every now and then, I will maintain a good standing before God and other people. People will see what I'm doing. But I think it's a very dangerous way to think. God has saved us from, from spiritual death. It's a spiritual death we've been saved from and raised to life with him. And it's his will for us to live uh, a new life, a changed life with changed affections. Um, and by God's grace, we, we fight sp- sin, we fight spiritual oppression, um, spiritual opposition in our, in our ministries, and we, we serve the Lord until he comes or, or until we die. And all thoughts of our good deeds should, should be forgotten as we, as we live in a... a uh, a tr- true saving grace in a, a transformed life. And I was thinking, you know, no one will get to heaven and say that they've done too much for the kingdom. No one will go to heaven and say that they've had too much joy or peace. No one will go to heaven and say they've been too kind. No one will say they've been too faithful or too patient with people. No one will say they've been too gentle, too self-controlled. No one will say that they've prayed too much. No one would say that they've sang too much or sacrificed too much for the name of Christ. These things won't ever be said. We're created for good works. We're his workmanship. We're not our own workmanship. Works prepared beforehand by God. God has prepared the work and he's prepared the worker. And we're not created to, to do stupid things, to waste time, just to be entertained and to pass our days without passing on the grace that God's given to us. Uh, there's so much things in this world that take up our time and, and I'm as, as guilty as anyone um, trying to fight these things off but TV, the internet, mobile phones all these kind of things um, not necessarily bad things but things which take our time they distract us but we were created for more than this we created to know God and know the riches of his grace and it's, a, it's an amazing thing So if, you, if you've been born again, if you've been raised to new life in Christ, you know Jesus is your saver, then we should be encouraged that um, in eternity we get to explore the immeasurable riches of God's grace. And we, we know now that we have tasted the riches of his grace and we know that they're good. And if, if asked, would we like to know more? Would we like to experience more of this? Then we say, yes, of course. Of course I would. And we get to spend eternity experiencing and knowing more and more of that. So we should give thanks to God for his mercy in showing grace to us. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, uh, you're still living as these 
uh, dead people described, spiritually dead, verses 1 to 3, then I'd urge you to, to look for salvation today. There's more mercy and more grace with God than you could ever need. And to truly see the contrast of how bad sin is, how good God is, I think we, we just need to look at the cross. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus, the Son of God, was killed. He didn't deserve to die. He'd never sinned. But he took the deserved wrath, our deserved wrath, he took it. So mercy, the mercy of God and the justice of God meet together. Sin is paid for. Grace has been purchased. And our salvation has been won. And heaven is now open to us who believe by faith. It's an amazing thing, and I would just encourage anybody who is um, doubting or, or not sure to really, really seek this. There is amazing mercy, amazing grace with God. So I'd like to close there. Amen.